Alrighty. Um, <laughs> Zia's got a fan base over here, it seems, which is cool. <laughs> okay. Right, so, um, yeah, tonight, tonight is a little bit different. As we said, it's a bit of an interview thing. So I just want to give, give a, what I'd say, a bit of an um, intro to explain what's happening tonight. And then we're going to share, uh, similar to probably what we shared in the first service, but we're open to let the Holy Spirit guide as He wants, and maybe there's different things that He wants to highlight. And I want to set you guys free if there's something on your heart to actually share that. And to just trust that the Lord will um, do something beautiful in us tonight. It's not going to be a normal preach. It's not going to be like a normal note-taking thing. I think what will happen is someone will share something that's going to drop into your heart. And you're going to be like, God, I think that was for me. And it might be random. It might be only for you. But then that's what you take tonight. It will be golden nuggets and not, a, and not a golden thread actually tonight. Okay, so just look for those golden nuggets where God wants to speak to you. So we'll introduce them in a moment. But before we get there, I wanted to say that I don't know if you guys are aware of it, but tonight or today is actually Pentecost Sunday, and uh, that's beautiful. It's um, what, we, what we see in the Bible is Jesus was uh, crucified, He was resurrected, but then on the, the, at the Pentecost feast, uh, 50 days later, he was, um, the Holy Spirit was poured out, and Jesus actually said to us, that it's better that He goes, because when He goes, He is going to send His helper, the Holy Spirit, to be with us. And the Holy Spirit was given, and the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost. And now, 2,000 years later, what we are celebrating today is the fact that the Holy Spirit was poured out on us, and that the Holy Spirit works in us. And I'm going to get to them now, because these testimonies are actually just that. It's a celebration of the fact that the Holy Spirit is working in each of them. It's all we're celebrating and the same way that the same Holy Spirit that's working in them is the Holy Spirit that is and that wants to work in your life as well, in the same and in a different way. He wants to do that. So I was just thinking of, of Peter in the Bible. Peter made so many mistakes. He did so many stupid things like most of you and me. <laughs> he was the guy that tried to build a house for Moses and Elijah. And Jesus was so cross with him that he, he called him Satan said, get behind me, Satan. So Jesus was obviously not happy with this guy. This guy that walked on water, but then he sank. And uh, he's the guy that, um, what else did he do? He said, I'd never deny you, Jesus. Even if everyone else does, never deny you. And then he goes and he denies Jesus three times. He says, I do not know that man. Peter had many failures in his life. And then a few months later, Peter stands up at Pentecost and he leads 3,000 people to Jesus. Most of us would be lucky to see that in our lives, to see 3,000 people coming to salvation. He becomes the leader of the early church. The only difference between Peter then and Peter then, <laughs> between Peter then then and Peter then, <laughs> was the fact that he, he received the Holy Spirit. That was the difference. He didn't have the Holy Spirit before, but when the Holy Spirit came into his life, he changed him completely. And tonight, let it be a testimony to you and let it be an encouragement on the day of Pentecost to say, oh, Holy Spirit, please come and work in me more. Don't compare, but make, make, um, let it make you more hungry to see more of the Holy Spirit working in your life tonight. Okay, these are going to be different stories, some old stories, some new stories, but we're going to see just what God does through this conversation. So they're going to introduce themselves, just say quickly who they are, uh, what they do, just more or less. 
And uh, I don't know what else is interesting that we can ask them. <laughs> hey? <laughs> we don't have a, there's no time for jokes. Okay, so we'll just say who you are, where you like, and what you do, just more or less. Tell us a little bit about yourself, and we'll go through. They are not students. They are a working family. <laughs> don't be mistaken. Um, if you think this is a student church, we do actually have families. And we're trusting for more families to come in, definitely. Please, if you pray for the church, pray for that. Lord, we're trusting for more families. We don't want a student church. We want a church that's integrated with many different people. Um, and then we've actually, oh, this is just for interest sake. But then we've also got um, ITU's Young Working. We've actually got about 60 or 70 young working people in the church. Um, again, it's not just students here, and it's, it's beautiful. We need all of these people, and we need the Holy Spirit to work in each phase of our lives. And then we've got Zia, who is a, a church influencer, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she's a student. But anyway, I said their names now, but they can just quickly say something short about yourself, um, just who you are, and then, and then we'll go. Yeah. I'm Victor. I work in quantitative finance, and yeah, we're in Stellenbosch now for two and a half months. I'm Lorinda, and you know, my job is to keep my family happy. <laughs> Okay, so my name is Ati, my real name is Adrian, so if I'll respond to both, and yeah, I'm, uh, I'm working as an accountant. Hi, my name is Zia. Um, yeah. You're making it awkward now, man, yeah, come on. <laughs> okay, and um, yes, I'm a student. What are you studying? Uh, I'm studying Biak Alalbi. Yeah. I need a lot of Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So they've, they've all got different stories, and what I'd like to try and lift out, again, we're going to try our best. I don't know where this is going to go, but in a sense, we're just trusting that God will work through their stories to tell some of their stories through the different phases of their lives. And what we want to lift out is just the fact that specifically, none of them are leaders in the church. They are just normal saints. Because what you inevitably find in the church is many times people think, oh, one day when I'm a leader, then God will do those things in my life. One day when I'm a leader, then I'll be close to God. One day when I'm a leader, then I'll fully love God. But I think we just want to break that stigma in a sense. If you're a Christian, man, then God wants you to be close with Him, and He wants you to live a radical life for Him. Every single Christian. So we want to break that like inner core church and outer core church thing and just say we all should be flat out running for God. And so that's why we want to get different stories of different parts of their lives. So we're going to start with Zia. She's got an interesting story um, of how she became part of the church. I have to tell the nappy story quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I might have said this before, but there was a, a family visit where sometimes we take our home cells, our communities, and we go and visit other Josh chains. And we did that, and I went to preach there. And afterwards, spent some time with the team and some of the elders of the church, and uh, I went to change one. We've got two little girls, and I went to change one's nappy. It was a stinky poo-poo nappy, and <laughs> those things can stink. So what I sometimes like to do is I like to take that nappy and put it somewhere. So I've put it in the cajon here in France uh, uh, previously just to see if someone takes it in their car. Uh, I just, uh, are you judging me here? <laughs> so um, <laughs> we were in this house, and... There was a bag, and I thought, I'm going to put the nappy in the bag. It's going to be funny. It's lots of people that I know. And when 
everyone walked out, I saw Zia, the new girl in church, carrying the bag, and I thought, ugh, <laughs> And my wife said, Leonard, go apologize now. And I, <laughs> and I went to her, I'm like, Zia, I'm so sorry I put a nappy in your bag and it was awkward. <laughs> um, but she's still here, so God must be, <laughs> God must have worked in her life. So anyway, I'm going to tell her to... I was the chosen one, the chosen bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to just ask her to share a bit of her story. She's got a really interesting way that she actually became part of this church and that God worked in her life. So I just wanted to share that with you. And in saying that, listen out for the fact that God will work in all of our lives, not the same way, but He he wants to be as intentional in your life as He was in her life, if we allow God to come in. So if you can just share, um, yeah, maybe like start start with, yeah, anyway, start with whatever. (laughs) Um, Well, then I think I'll just start with, um, I got a word during worship. God just spoke to me and, and He just, He really gave me that word, adopted. And, um, and that's, what, that's what my whole story is about, is about God adopting me into his family. Um, and so I guess where that started then was in Johannesburg. Um, you're rough place, that. But anyway, so yes, um, I, I, was, I was always, I always knew in a way that, uh, that I was going to heaven. I, I had done the sinner's prayer, but for me, that's, that's about where it ended. Um, God was like my get out of jail free card. Um, and I knew, I knew, you know, yeah, when I die, I'm going to heaven, but, um, but I didn't ever have a relationship with, with the Father. I was in that category of, you know, depart from me for I didn't know you, um, and I, I definitely was, was there, and, and um, coming to Stellenbosch, there was so much buildup in my soul to, for it, because um, I, I, I was like, this is a fresh start, so just for some context, I came out of quite a, a broken home, um, a lot of problems there, divorce and such things. But then um, coming to Stellenbosch, I had no intention of, of coming to Stellenbosch, you know, as part of God's plan. It was, it was my plan to come to Stellenbosch, really. It was my plan, and, and I was going to um, restore my life, yeah, to the fullest. And um, I was going to excel in everything I did. I was going to be that girl, you know. And then, um, sure, why I would. Um, I think just that, that quote by C.S. Lewis sums it up really well when he says, um, the proof that, well, because nothing in this world can satisfy the desire of our hearts is proof that we weren't made for this world. So um, I had so many hopes and dreams that I'd, I'd put my hope and my identity in the world, in academics, and, um, and that is such a dangerous place to be because it's always going to disappoint. It's never going to satisfy. The only thing that satisfies is the love of God. And that is something that, uh, that yeah, scare, fast forward, um, I went through an extremely rebellious phase then in, the, in my first semester. I mean, I was doing everything you can think. If you think of, like, something really bad that students do, I did that twice and then bragged about it. Just so, um, yeah, Wednesday night was not calm nights, if you, if you catch my drift. Anyways, um, I was in a very broken, broken, broken place. Um, and... and in that, and the fact that I knew that God was there was even worse, because every time I, I got drunk or this or that, I would just say, oh, I've just separated myself even further, even further, even further, even further. And then um, to, to, to fix this almost, I do accounting, so to balance the scales, I was like, let me get myself into a Methodist church, because there's nothing of the spirit there. I'm not going to be convicted of my sins in worship. Um, <laughs> You know, when I see people, when I saw, when I used to go to charismatic churches, because I was in a Christian school, 
Anyways, but um, <laughs> so yeah, when, when I see people worship, I'll be like, what are you doing? Like, what? You're embarrassing yourself. Um, stop it. And so I, I really, I, I would hide in the bathroom during worship. I didn't want to, I didn't want to see what people, the spirit, what was it? So then um, to rectify that, I was like, let's go to a Methodist church and learn about the word of God. So then I went um, and I searched Methodist Church Stellenbosch. And behold, this building came up, this location came up. So on a Saturday night, a Sunday night, sorry, it was load shedding. And, um, and I had nothing else to do. Um, so I was like, okay, let me just go walk here and see. Maybe there's like an office, people are here. Maybe there's a night service. I had no idea. So I walked here. And about when I was getting a little bit close, I just hear this like, yeah, humming or whatever going on. And I came in and it was pitch black. And the first thing I saw as I came in that door was someone on their, f- on their knees in front of me. And um, it was like when you open an oven and the heat just hits you. It's like the Spirit of God was in this place. Um, I didn't even know it was the Spirit, but I just knew something. And um, it was at that moment I knew God was like, I'm not giving up on you. Um, I'd, give him a thou- I'd given him a thousand reasons to not love me, and none of them were strong enough for him. So he just came and he said, he's going to be a ferocious lion, and he's going to bring me into this family. Um, and then, so yeah, I just saw, I just sat in the back and watched how people worship. And then um, the preach was on accountability. It was, it was beautiful. Next time I came, Leonard asked, who, who, who is, who's feeling distant from God and needs a, a new relationship with him? I was like, well, I've never had a relationship with him. So yeah, put up my hand. Next week I came, first person I sat next to said, are you in a comm? Like, no. Uh, she became my comm leader. Carly, Willem, um, and then, and Skulk, Willem, and then um, that my first com was on baptism. They spoke about baptism, and then they asked who hasn't been baptized, and I was like, well, I haven't been. Um, that Sunday, or was it the next Sunday, I got baptized, and, um, and just to see how, how the Lord, I mean, guys, I, this nothing, there was nothing in me that could have, that could have deserved this. There's nothing in me that could have built up to this. Like, there was nothing of my own effort. Something of God was moving in my life. And um, since my baptism, it was almost like, it was almost like I knew that I knew that I had died that moment. And I'm like, something has risen up, risen me to new life. And it's quite beautiful during baptism was when you go under the water, um, you don't, you, you don't lift yourself up. Um, you know, you, you get resurrected out of your sins, but you don't lift yourself up. Uh, other people actually also help you to come out of the water. And so I think, um, yeah, that's when the Lord just came with his, with his spirit. I think in, in that moment, I just got an infilling of the spirit. And uh, that's when my relationship with God began. Um, and and it's, been, it's, it, it's been like a dance. I mean, he just carries you the whole time. He never lets you go. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's scary. It's, you spin sometimes, but... Um, but he's always there, and, uh, and yeah, just looking around now, like, I can say that I know that I know my life will never be, never be the same again, and um, I will never go back to the world because um, I don't belong there anymore. I've been adopted into, into his family. What, um, for I have died, and it is Christ that lives in me, um, and yeah, so I, you guys are my family, and I really love you. That's wonderful. Um, I can't remember, how, how long ago was this? How long have you been part of the church now? Oh, um, 
I got baptized 28 August 20, so last year. So I've been only, I think, less than six months in the okay. church. Okay. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, yeah. Well, it's almost August, I know, because our baby's coming in August, so it's like two and a half months, I know. I'm scared every day for August. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, that's really wonderful. And I want to say to you, if you're sitting here, you know, I, I, we said in the beginning that the idea is that we actually, our big desire for this church is not only numerical growth. I mean, that's great, and God has done that. But it's actually that as we grow, that those on the fringes would be pulled in and experience those things, would experience the infilling of the Holy Spirit, would experience baptism, would experience a true relationship with God and not just a knowing about God. And so even if you're here tonight and you might feel on the fridge, you might not have experienced these things or fully given your life over to God, then we'd love to pray for you afterwards and actually take a moment and as a family of believers, stand with you and say, Lord, come and please save this child of yours. Give them salvation and a relationship with you. So we'll make time for that at the end. So um, uh, she's, she's been serving God for a long time and, and that's a wonderful story and she's had hurts in the past and and, and now being a Christian, there's going to be more trials and tribulations ahead. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Jesus, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trials. He said it. It's a promise. Um, but He's with, with us through those times. And uh, sometimes, you know, when, you, uh, when you're young, and uh, most of you are young, not all of you, uh, but I remember... Yo, I remember when I was young, I, I felt infallible. I felt like life was not going to get me down. Even as a Christian, I just, I just, I wasn't aware of some of the trials that would be ahead. But, and I want to say to you, it's, it's good to just love the season that you're in, but wear, be aware of the seasons that might still come for you. Because you don't want to be caught off guard when you start working one day or start having children. And suddenly it's not as easy to be a Christian as it is now. It's not as easy to go to church as it is now. You know, uh, before you have children, going to church is easy. You say to your wife, hey, let's get in the car, go to church. Then you go to church. It's wonderful. <laughs> so, and then you get in the car and you drive to church. That sounds lovely. <laughs> when you have children, you say, hey, let's go to church. And then about half an hour, let's go to church. <laughs> Come on, kids, get in the car. It's like your life changes drastically, and you need to be aware of the fact that there will also be difficult times and for you to stand the test of time, you need to know that those times are ahead. So maybe the next two stories are going to be a little bit more of like um, trials that they went through. Uh, Victor and Lorinda, I'll just, I mean, you can share now, but Victor will share of like some really deep, dark times that he's been through. And he's had to contend for his Christianity through those times. And I can tell you this man is still bearing fruit today. He's come through it, but it's like, if you speak about journeys, like 10 years of wrestling through things. And Lorinda, being his wife and standing with him through all of those things, that's a beautiful testimony in itself. God giving him a helper to be with him even through that. So maybe if you can share a little bit of that, like your, your journey specifically with mental health and, and what happened there. So as a kid, I was a bit afraid of the dark. And one day I just walked into dark hallway and said, okay, darkness, give me your best shot. Nothing happens, and then I wasn't afraid of the dark anymore. Um, <laughs> but then, <laughs> but I, yeah, I went through school, went, uh, started work, and yeah, I just flew through the ranks. And I, I joked and said I didn't take a corporate ladder; I took the lift. And um, by 
age 22, I was working in a corner office, had my own office in a skyscraper in, in Joburg. I was just like living the life. And we moved to Cape Town. And then um, doctors gave me its best shot. And uh, I became deeply depressed. Um, yeah, you know, suicidal, and I couldn't f focus on work. It was a time that I had to take a sabbatical off work. Um, luckily, I had savings, but basically six months I was on medication and couldn't get out of bed. Uh, it was terrible. Um, and we started attending Josh Jen in about 2007, which is about where it, yeah, yeah rock bottom. And um, I knew from growing up in church, I had to f to, I'm going to have to fight through this. <coughs> and I sought God. Uh, there's a scripture that says, if you diligently seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. And I did. I knew that was what I had to do. And I knew the Bible. I listened to the audio Bible for hours and hours and hours. And there was a lot of scriptures that I could stand on, but nothing that was like the the key to it, you know, even things like, um, yeah, it's <laughs> a lot of scriptures that I, that I, that I, that was able to help me, but the one thing that I realized that I need to focus on is to stand, and after everything's been done, stand. You know, Job didn't know what was going on when he went through it, he just stood, and eventually I'll ask the questions when I get to heaven, but for now I have to stand, and um, yeah, um, I would go into the, the uh, church building in the, in the mornings and worship, you know, like five o'clock in the morning, and for uh, like two hours a day, I just worship, and it just, and eventually, you know, it, it, it wasn't, uh, it was a war, but it wasn't things that I could work through. It was just years and years and years of of fighting through this and even difficult times there was times when we were um we were on leadership before that in a, in a previous congregation that joined just jane and then we would, we'd, we'd taken off leadership and there was it, it was yeah um it was difficult for me to grasp the things that was going on in you know just to the living the Christian life was even difficult. So I knew I had to find God. My relationship with, with God was with God, but to actually live a Christian life was, was difficult. And I knew that even if I don't understand what is going on in church, even if people hurt me and you know, get misunderstood and I can't bear fruit because I'm half dead, um, I knew I had to push through, and I knew I had to churches where I had to be. And there were um, wonderful people that actually helped us through. Um, Krista de Beer, Lorinda, and she had friends that actually stood by her, and they didn't ask questions. They just stood there, stood with us. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was beautiful to get through. Yeah, that's beautiful, and it's, um, when you hear something like that, it's sobering, isn't it, eh? You think, uh, just so many things in life, we think, oh, that might happen to someone else, but it might not happen to me. And uh, just as you get older and you start spending time with people, you hear of people at young age, getting cancer, losing loved ones, um, 
uh, just going through the toughest times, depression, mental health, all of those things. And obviously, we're not trusting for those things to happen, but to some extent in your life, there will be difficulties that you need to face, and you need to make a decision, Lord, I will love you and I will stand. I think that's the key of what Victor's saying here. When all else is done, stand. Stand, stand, stand. I don't understand at the moment, but I'm going to stand for God. And uh, we need to make this decision. I, I f- it feels like for me, uh, if your Christianity is like a dating relationship, it's not going to make it. Because the infatuation is going to go. The feelings are going to go at some stage. You're not going to understand at some stage. But it needs to be more like a marriage, which is a covenant. When I say, until death do us part. In sickness and in health, that's the way that we follow the Lord. Not like a, it's not a casual fling. It's not I'm doing it because my friends are doing it because the church is vibey. I'm not doing it for those reasons. I'm doing it, Lord, because I love you and I want to spend the rest of my life and eternity with you. So I just want to encourage you with that. I think that's really good and it's so powerful to hear of someone that's maybe still going to go through some of these dips and is still fighting these things. But man, to the, mo- to the largest extent, they've actually conquered it and they're standing here today. And that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. <laughs> so... Um, Ati, um, Ati has a different story, obviously, but I, I uh, maybe Ati, let's maybe do it a little bit different and ask the second question that I wanted to ask you. Um, Ati, uh, I'll just tell you a little bit and then you'll jump in, but he, um, I don't want to say too much because I want to give you <laughs> room to also explain, but Ati um, went, uh, and he, uh, so, so excuse me if I'm saying too much, but Ati uh, went to study um, to become a, a CA, a chartered accountant, and after two years, he went to Wellington to take a gap year at TMT, which is Josh Jen's Bible School. Did that for a year. You can still explain, like, if God did stuff in your heart there. And then went back to Bloemfontein to go help and plant a 412 church in Bloemfontein. And was really integrally involved. And then at some stage um, during that process, there were things that happened. And Ati had to be stepped off of leadership. And he was not a deacon. Any- he was made a deacon. And then he was not a deacon anymore. And, um, you know, it's one of those things that I think leadership in the church is something that we have to be, it's, it's oh, there's so much to say. We have to, we have to want it if there's a godly desire in us, but we really have to be careful of it because it can give you a false sense of security and identity, which is not yours to carry actually. Uh, the reason we should do anything in church is because we love God and not because we have a title. I, for the leaders here, if you're a leader, you need to be able to say, if I'm not a leader anymore, it should not change anything in the way that I do my life and the way that I give myself. Uh, whether I've got the badge or not, um, we should just do it because we love God. And so Ati went through that. And so maybe the question I want to ask you, Ati, is um, if you look at the time that you were a leader compared to the time that you were not an official leader, why did you... And, and I mean, Ati's not in an official leadership role in the life of the church, but he still loves God and is giving himself fully. Why? <laughs> why do you do that? Why, why not just give yourself when you're a leader and then step back when you're not a leader? Why are you continually giving yourself? Yeah, so I think, as Leonard mentioned, some of the parts. So we went back, planted in Bloemfontein, and some of you might have actually been part of the Josh James uh, Stellenbosch plant. And if you were, you'll know it's pretty much all hands on deck. There's like, who's going to do the sound? Okay, I'll do it. Who's going to do whatever? You just volunteer because there's no one else. Um, so, and I was a student Dane, so I had a lot of uh, time, and I was actually quite flexible. Um, yeah, very involved, led the deacon team. And then 2020 came with COVID, 
and my parents were actually in the middle of their divorce, so there's a lot of external factors, but also it's the first year I started to work. Um, and that changed my uh, situation quite a lot because all of a sudden you're not as flexible. All of those factors led to um, my heart actually becoming quite callous. Uh, I got miff, um, I'm in my personality is quite strongly like opinionated, um, so I didn't agree with some of the calls that was made during COVID. And I told Leonard as well, it's not that your heart changed. It's actually all this mythgate was in your heart, and these things just make it to surface. Um, and so a lot of pride came out, a lot of um, stubbornness came out. And it wasn't that the situations made me stubborn, or the situation made me prideful. It was there, the situa just, situation just made it surface. Um, and then, yeah, to a point where the leaders sat with me and we decided it would be, be better for me to be stepped down um, and not to cause any more like division in the leadership team and yeah, the classes and they just thought it would be best. Um, I mean, by that time, like I've like sacrificed so much for this church, like my, the amount of time, the amount of energy, um, and just the, I mean, just the, the thing of, you know, leading a deacon team and all the sudden of leadership, I had to really go and sit, like, because, I mean, all the sudden your emotions goes to, like, maybe I should leave church, like, who are they to, like, take all the, like, the, the, the benefits and, like, now I'm with nothing. Like, your heart goes so miff, and I was shocked that my heart can be so miff. Like, you hear about stories, but you never think your heart will be able to get so miff. Um, until you like in that, and then um, I had to really, and I start thinking, you know, do I go to another church now? Or what do I do? And even just your faith, like, you know, is is this even worth the cost to follow Jesus? Like all the sacrifices, and then you end up in a situation like this, we have nothing to show for it, basically. Um, and I had to sit down with God and go back to the simplistic things, go back to the root of things. Am I saved? Yes. Did I give my life to Jesus? Yes. Um, did I give my whole life to Jesus? Yes. Uh, did God put me in Joshua? Or back then it was a 412 church? Yes. So I knew I was trapped <laughs> because I gave my life. My li life was already sacrificed on the altar. It's not something I can just take back. Um, so, it was, so I think that's a, that's a big point. Is did you sacrifice your life? And then if you've done it, you can't take it back. You've, you've sacrificed, you've gave it all. You signed the, the covenant back then. So it's not really negotiable. Your emotions might feel otherwise. Um, and I think that pulled me through, is to go back to, okay, what do I believe? Who is God? And what did I sacrifice? Or what did I give up? And that kept me uh, just in church, basically. And as we worked through, well, as time go by, um, actually started got working, so uh, I was in Bluefontein, and then felt. Well, let me share this. So actually, it was a 412 conference in 2020. So then it was online. Uh, I don't know who watched it. So the church in Bluefontein and the 412 partner church in Kimberley actually decided um, it would be better for us to watch it together. At least there will be some sort of uh, partnership uh, if we if we watch it together. Did it. And the last session, uh, Jonathan Stanfield is leading the 412 church in Isle of Man. Uh, he read out of Revelations, and it said, um, as the end times draw near, um, like pray even more, 
and love the brothers even more. And it felt like God hit me with an ice bucket because I realized I have no love for all of, for any saint. Like, I'm doing church now. I'm, like, still participating. But there's no love for anyone in church. And God gave me this stark warning of, if I don't do something radical, I'll lose my salvation. And I, that was a wake-up call. I was... I knew I had to do something radical and to shorten it, decided, or we decided with the leaders, I'll relocate to Kimberley. Um, yeah, and I think just that is to, what are you convicted of? What's your, what's your core beliefs? Are you just here for the fun, for the, for the social, for your friends? Or is there actually a deeper thing that's holding you to God and to, to bring you close to God? Because it's going to get tough. Yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> so many little nuggets there. I really hope you're opening your ears and your hearts, actually, to say, Lord, what is it here that I need for myself? Um, because I'm like listening and I'm like, Oof, there's a couple of challenging things there that I think is really good. So well done for sharing. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, Victor and Narinda, uh, we spoke about maybe the the difficult time that you went through, the depression, um, like obviously you guys in your marriage, you had to stand strong through all of that, and there was sort of a coming out on the other side, to a large extent, I mean obviously like all of us have still got our things, but to a large extent you came out the other side, and um, a couple of months ago at one of the gatherings, now a gathering is something in Josh Chen where a lot of the congregations come together, and there was an opportunity where Andrew stood up and he said, if there are any families who are willing to relocate to Stellenbosch to come and help the church here. Because, oh man, we've, we really actually grow quickly. To, it felt like too quick at some stage. Um, we started three and a half years ago with 40 people. The other day we were over 400, three years later. So it's like a, it's been a massive growth in church and it's been wonderful. But like we're not the type of church that just wants to grow for the sake of growing. We want quality believers and a quality church where where we like people who really radically love God. We're not in, into the numbers. That's not, that's not what we're for. And so Andrew stood up and he said, if there's anyone who can relocate and um, that's willing to do this, and it's a big call. Like you'll see one day, if you've got family, you've got a house, you've got your friends, someone says, hey, don't you want to move to another town to go help there? That's big. <laughs> and uh, out of everyone in Josh Chen, this was the only couple that's put, put up their hands. They're not elders. He's not an elder. They're on a, not on the deacon team, not home group leaders. They're just saints, just in the church. And they said, we're willing to come to Stellenbosch and just come and help these people because we need more families here to be with the young people. And that for me is just a testimony of people who have said, like, Lord, my life is laid down for you. So um, maybe you guys, if you can share, uh, there's, they told, uh, there's a story that you told of, um, of someone that you saw backsliding and just how God spoke to you through that even the desire came for, for Stelly's and to come and help you. What happened there? So at, at work, there's a, a girl that was in Josh Jane, and she, sure, she's still a Christian, but she fell out of love with the church, and, yeah, it's just got uh, picked up an offense with the church, and we just happened to be at the office the same day, and I started talking to her and you know, she started sharing some of the stuff that offended her and I, I tried to guide her through it and I just realized that in the time, you know, 15 minutes, 10 minutes that um, I had, I wasn't going to 
I'm not going to turn the key. And it really, it weighed heavy on me. You know, firstly, maybe if I prayed more, maybe if I read the Bible more, maybe if I you know, studied the Bible more, maybe if I spent more time with people in experiencing those kind of things, I would have been able to do it better. And actually, even if I were just there six months earlier, I could have actually prevented this whole situation. And so uh, there was a preach by Andrew that I often listen to in uh, devoted to the apostles teaching and it paints a picture of the church, a vision of, of Josh Jen and 412. And so I have a very clear picture of the landscape of the church and often hear me say that the landscape of the church and I can often see things against that backdrop. So when Andrew gave the invitation for older people to move to Stellenbosch, I realized that if we don't get there, then I'm going to have to have that conversation that I had with that girl, possibly with any of 350 people. Um, or at least I don't want to have that conversation again. And it was as if, now, obviously there's checks and balances and you know, submitting things to leaders, hearing God for yourself. But there was, it was literally a thing of, okay, guys, we need somebody to go and close the barn door. It's raining. Can somebody quick? Yeah, go and do that. And it was like, sure, go. <laughs> the, the next Sunday, yeah, I mean, the next day we were, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, it's like, do it. And I, I think in, in the preach, that, that preach that, that Andrew preaches, it, I knew that listening to it, and it was a 2011 preach, so it's 12 years, I knew that it was going to create something in me that I didn't understand from reading or just, yeah. You know, and I, and I think it did. It, it did actually. You know, the apostle, uh, the apostle's teaching. Maybe just hold the mic. I remember you saying after you moved here from Edgemead, some people called you and like, hey, what are you doing? Just just speak about that. <laughs> yeah, I I think it was a bit of consternation as to. I joke and said, if, they, if, if, if another couple showed up with us, then they would have gotten the job. So, but it is like, so how did you hear God? You know, how did this happen? How did you, you know, end up moving to Stellenbosch? And it's really like what we've been hearing for 12 years. It's like, I say to this one, go, and it goes. Yeah, that's how it works. Um, yeah, and obviously some pinching things to the elders, and there, there is that. And But, I mean, we've got a world to take. <laughs> when God's glory fills the earth, it, imagine if if nobody does it. You know, there's no, in the, in the last days, you know, the days will be shortened unless no witness remains. So there is that risk that there won't be witnesses. So go. It's wonderful. It's really wonderful. And that's challenging, right? Because you know what Jesus, Jesus, when, when the, the people started following him, he said, uh, birds have nests and foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. <laughs> that was the life Jesus led. And he said, those who follow the Lord are like the wind. You don't know where they're coming or where they're going. And that's the type of life we are to live. 
the world is going to try and put you in a box where we live safe lives. You study, you work, you start saving for your pension, you retire, you have some children, 2.2 children, somewhere in the mix, you die. <laughs> okay, that's the box the world is going to try and put you in. But God said that those who follow the Holy Spirit are not like that. I mean, you can be like that, but then it needs to be led by the Spirit. But but the Lord said, if you follow me, your life is not your own. If I say to you, pick up and go there, then I want you to pick up and go there. And when we do that, it sounds scary, but it will be the most fulfilling life that you can live for Him and for His glory. Now, we just had Mac and Ordinia moving 19 times in their lives. They, I, if you had to ask them, how many times did you want to move? They probably would have said once or twice. But it's not about that. It's about saying, Lord, my life is not my own. What do you want from my life? Then we start living these lives that actually matter for the, God, for the Lord and for, for His gospel. And I just want to say to you, maybe even Stellenbosch, bringing it home to us. I said it in the first service as well. When the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost and those 3,000 people got saved, all of them or most of them were from different places. They didn't, they didn't live in Jerusalem. But because the Lord was doing a work there and that's where God wanted them, they sold everything they had and they stayed there and they stole off their pieces of land to support one another to be able to stay there because that's where God was building. And I feel like we need to pray those prayers. Lord, where are you building? Where is your life and where do you want me? Some of you are studying in Stellenbosch and your plan is come and go. Maybe that's not God's plan for you. Maybe God's saying, this is where I'm building. This is where I'm, I'm doing something. I need you to stay. And then you don't follow the job. I said it earlier. He, he's, he's never going to move for a job. He moves because of God. And then you'll find a job where God moves in. And if God wants you there, then you say, God, provide a job. Even if it's half the amount that I would have earned, if this is where you want me, then that's it. Some of you want to stay because you love it here, but God wants you somewhere else. <laughs> then you need to say, I say bye to the mountains and the vineyards and the coffee shops and <laughs> all of those things. But I follow where God says. <laughs> Because that's the life that He wants us to live. He doesn't want us to live these mediocre lives where we follow ourselves. But we need to be those who ask the Lord, Lord, my life is not my own. Where do you want me? Does that make sense? Okay, maybe let's end with this, um, just because I see a few yawns. Um, Zia, I think I asked you earlier, just if you had to, if you had to say a lot of this, what we're saying is, I don't even want to call it that, but, but maybe people, not necessarily people who are on the fringes, but people who have... Um, Oh, let's just say that. People who are following God, but, but you tasting that there's more. Like, and, and there's still more for you even. I mean, there's a lot more for you still. But something in you tasted that there's more. But there, there might be people here who, who just are not hungry for the more. And if you think of the old Zia who maybe went to church and uh, did all of those things, if you could give an encouragement to say, hey, there's more, what, what would you say? Like, what, what does God want to say to us? You... There's so much to say, but um, I think just that, you know, that scripture, you know, who the sun sets free is free indeed. And it's like the freedom that, that God gives you, the freedom that his love gives you, that his grace gives you, is just, it's going to change the way you see life as a whole. And it's, it's very, it's scary. It's scary not knowing whether your plans are, are yours or, or whether God wants to come and, and bring you into something new. Um, but what I would just yeah, I encourage you with is that um, you know, it's not like God gives you these plans to do and these commands to follow and you go and do it. He does them with you. 
and, um, and his, his grace is sufficient. And to wake up every day knowing, your Lord, it doesn't matter if I fail my degree. Okay, d- don't say that, but it, do- it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I go through. It doesn't matter what the world thinks of me. I'm hidden with Christ in God. And so I just want to encourage you guys, if, if that is you, just to, to get into the grace of God, like understand it. If you don't understand it, there's lots of people here that can disciple you through it, that can lead you through it, and to understand that, that yeah, this life is not about you come to church on Sunday. It's about your, your, your whole life becomes Christ's, and your whole life is to look more like him. Um, and then I just wrote down a few small things, just practical things of just like what you can do to um, yeah, to, to, to almost get in, involved more. Um, and I would just say, those fellowship groups, I know they can be annoying sometimes, but <laughs> like, when people every single day, we're all, I'm speaking to the students specifically, some, every single day somebody eats lunch on the, on the Roy Plain grass. Go and sit with them. That is where a lot of my growth, a lot of the, with the spirit like just dropped nuggets through people on that grass. Um, prayer meetings, like it's early, but you you see God in there, and then just looking around, like, just the the yeah, the gift that God gives us, I think, is seeing Jesus through those around us, um, seeing characters of Him by spending time with our brothers and sisters. Um, you're like Kari and Talana's joy. That's that's also Jesus's joy. Um, you're I could okay. Let me let me not get let me. Denise is caring. That's also how Jesus cares for. It's like He. Yeah, he reveals his nature to us. If you want to get closer to God, a lot of who he is is in the church. Well, he is, yeah, in the church. Um, somebody even said to me, Phoebe said to me a few days ago, um, yeah, sometimes, yeah, the, the, where you are, where God wants you in church is, has a more impact on your destiny than who you marry even. Like, yeah, where you are in church because the Lord uses you as a vessel through his church. Um, so, yeah, so just... Speak to people. <laughs> I don't know. I know that sounds that sounds crazy, but um, but yeah, and open up your your. When I got radically saved like that, I was also radically sinful in the past, and there was a lot of things that I had to work through. And the only way I worked through that was by opening it up, bringing it into the light. My com leaders go on an emotional roller coaster with me because I have an epic testimony, and then the Lord has revealed an area in my life He needs to work through. But it's 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 beautiful, like. It really is beautiful, and um, it's so freeing. Yo, just to taste that freedom and to worship on your knees here, not because of anything you can do, but because the Lord of the universe who tells the lightning where to strike loves me. Like, wow. I, wanna, I want a relationship with that God forever. That's wonderful. Let's, um, let's all stand as we end. Let's stand.